Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. Welcome to the Discerning Gamer Podcast. Your premium destination for all things gaming culture. We have the latest in gaming news, reviews of the hottest new games, discussion and analysis of the games of yesteryear. When you're short on time and need your gaming fix, look no further than the crew who know their master chief from their master sword. I love Halo. Your hosts, Joel, Simon, Casey, and Ferg. So toss a coin to your Witcher and answer that call of duty. It's time to level up. This is the Discerning Gamer Podcast. Yes, stealthily navigating the neon-lit alleyways of a decaying cyber city on a mission to escape and reunite with the rest of our feline friends. This is the Discerning Gamer Podcast. I am your host, Joel <laughs> J.B. Fury Beauchene, and with us this week, as always, are the DG crew, starting with the PC gamer, the Sultan of Steam, when he's not drinking the bloodleaf petals of the infernal demon Lilith. You can find him eating a homemade lamington, relaxing by a blooming <laughs> lake in Dinkum Town. It's Fergus Fergamon <laughs> Hamilton. Welcome to the show, Fergus. Oh, JB. Thanks for having me, mate. Also so with us, we've got uh, the gaming chef, the <laughs> Earl of Emotional Damage. If Ubisoft News was heroin, he'd be mainlining it by injecting it into the only uncollapsed veins he has left between his toes. It's Simon Steely McLaughlin. Welcome to the show, Steely. Oh, I tell you what, I think my uh, my collapsed veins would still get the job done a lot more than oh, Ubisoft God. does with them making <laughs> games. Okay, well. <laughs> wow, that might be a record. What was that, 20 seconds? Okay. I reckon. <laughs> Finally, uh, the Nintendo Queen, uh, Pistol, Pisty, Pete, the Pist. She's excited... <laughs> about a game featuring an energetic young male purple dragon known to defeat his enemies by breathing fire and charging at them, but she wants to know where he, quote, holsters his real weapon. It's Casey C. Mac McLaughlin. Welcome to the show, C. Mac. Thanks. What are you talking about? <laughs> the pissed. Oh, <laughs> yeah, oh, oh dear. Someone neutral Where does he keep the pissed is what we want to know. Right. Yeah, who knows? That's right. In his talons. Absolutely. Mm. Well, uh, look, uh, I hate to, to bring the news, the, the mood down, but uh, I wanted to lead off this week because we had a, a bit of news come out um, and um, Bungie and Gorilla Games have each released statements uh, on the passing of actor Lance Reddick. So, uh, for listeners at home, Lance Reddick was the actor who prominently featured in Bungie's Destiny 2 and Gorilla's Horizon series. Uh, he died at his home last Friday. He was 60 years old. Following the news, both studios have issued statements in memory of the veteran actor who played Commander Zavala in Destiny 2 and provided the voice and facial capture for Silence in the Horizon franchise. Gorilla's statement reads as follows. Thank you, Lance Reddick, for everything you've brought to the character of Silence, for sharing your infinite talent and wisdom with us, for your generous warmth and inimitable presence. 
and for your profound impact, not just as part of our cast, but on our community. We were deeply honoured to work with you. You will be missed. We extend our most heartfelt condolences to his loved ones. Uh, and of course, Riddick played Silence in both Horizon Zero Dawn and Horizon Forbidden West. And it's unclear if he'll be appearing in the upcoming expansion, Horizon Forbidden West Burning Shores. So, uh, yes, very unfortunate news there about uh, Lance Reddick. Mm. Um, any uh, any particular stories or, or things that you wanted to share about any uh, of the games that you've played featuring Mr. Reddick? Um, not in particular, other than he was just a fantastic voice actor. And- I mean, he was definitely <clears throat> one of the... One of the best characters in Horizon, like mm. playing Silence, he was mm. he was a, a real sort of anti-hero, someone that yeah you know, really kept you guessing what his motives were going to be. I mean, he was very helpful towards the end of Horizon Zero Dawn, but then you see in the the sort of post-credits scene where he then picks up Hades and ventures off into the the wilderness, and you think, well, you know, what's uh, what's this going to be? So, um, yeah, it's really quite sad that uh you know that uh, he's he's passed and it'll be very interesting to see what guerrilla games decides to do whether that's uh the end of silence and whether he'll be written out of the game or whether they might be looking at a recasting what what do you think steely it's oh look it's so sad um lance reddick is just i mean if you go and look at anything else that lance reddick has done he is just uh there's something about him. He's got a presence about him whenever he is on camera or even in Horizon, he has a presence about him that is just um, something you just can't mistake or deny. He's an incredible force when the energy that he brings to everything that he does is is just something that you can't replicate. You know, I just think that he's a very unique uh, actor and to see something like this happen I mean he's, he's was quite young you know I think it's 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 yeah. very sad and um obviously the work that he did do in horizon was just um he really I think the the character that he was playing uh, it wasn't even necessarily that it was the way that he did play that character that's what kept a lot of like the mystery behind the game and it kept you guessing constantly whether or not he was good or bad and never left you thinking that you were comfortable with him, which I think is just an incredible feat. Um, just a, a great uh, actor and somebody that I think will be really missed, uh, even if they do recast Silence, um, you know, to service the story of Horizon, uh, which, you know, is is a possibility. But I just don't think whoever goes into that role will have the same sort of punch that he had. It will have the same kind of um, mystery uh, behind it. I just, yeah, it's it's a sad thing. I don't really know what else to say, but I was very, very um, shocked by the news and something that I, um, yeah, it will be. I think you'll be very sorely missed. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I obviously had more experience with the character of Captain Zavala in Destiny 2 primarily and mm. just yeah one of the best npc characters in that world and it was it was nice to see there was a bit of a heartfelt tribute for him as well where people within the game in the tower were just sort of huddling around the npc character and just hanging out and 
yeah, just paying their respects. So I thought that mm. was a you know a nice in-game way to pay respect to him. So yeah, very sad. He had a very distinct sort of rhythm and meter mm. to his voice, you know, yeah. with the especially. I mean, I I didn't mm. play Destiny, but in in Horizon, you know, where he sort of gives it a bit of. I only told you what you needed to know, Aloy. You know, like he, mm. he had a... You know, yeah, yeah. yeah, there was a very... It's very recognisable. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> and not to mention, you know, uh, in the John Wick franchises as well. Those are great oh, yeah, movies. Right. And yep. he was uh, featured in, a lot, in those. So, yes, uh, condolences to the family and friends of Lance Reddick. Moving on, uh, we've got uh, a little bit of news here from Adam Bankhurst at IGN regarding Resident Evil 4. So Capcom has alerted Resident... Tell us, Adam. Oh, <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> I mean, you... Oh, man, you caught me off guard. Capcom has alerted Resident toss. Evil 4 remake players that a rare game-breaking bug has been found at the beginning of Chapter 12 that could stop your progress if you attack with your knife right after obtaining a key item. Capcom shared the news on Twitter saying that this issue affects players on all platforms and that it intends to fix this issue in a future update and apologise for any inconvenience. Luckily, the fix will allow players who were impacted by this bug to continue their current save. As for the bug itself, Capcom has detailed what it is and how to avoid it in a non-spoilery way. So strap yourselves in, folks. Uh, A cutscene will play at the beginning of Chapter 12, after which the player will receive a key item, Capcom wrote. Please refrain from attacking with the knife until the notification for obtaining this item is displayed in the upper right of the screen. After obtaining the item, it will appear in the key items and treasures menu in the attaché case. If it has not appeared, please reload save data from before the start of Chapter 12. So, (laughs) there you go. This bug aside, the Resident Evil 4 remake has been a joy for many of us to play in our or in uh, their 10 out of 10 uh, Resident Evil remake review. They uh, rated it pretty highly. So, uh, yeah, check it out if you are a big fan of the Resident Evil franchise. And, uh, yeah, but uh, don't break the game at Chapter 12. Yeah, by doing that very specific thing. It's always interesting with game-breaking bugs how they have to be in a specific sequence and it's just mm. it's just funny how these things work but i mean resident evil 4 is getting some amazing reviews i'm just looking now it's got a 97 percent mm. overwhelmingly positive review score on steam and everywhere i'm looking from you know the major critics they're giving it a sort of 10 out of 10 and so yeah like you said anyone who's a fan of the series they're probably already playing it but mm. go and don't sleep on this one well how how far through it are you c mac at the moment <laughs> <laughs> Um, 20, 20 hours, about. Yeah. Yeah. It's oh, pretty excellent. scary. Looking forward to. Uh, That's yeah. why I'm not sleeping well. <laughs> Looking forward to your uh, in depth <laughs> review on that one. Uh, My review. Yeah. Like at yeah, just, yeah. Let me get to the end and then I'll I'll, I'll formulate the review at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah good. Sounds good. I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. I'm really. I'm enjoying it. Yeah. Okay. Also uh, from IGN, this one was from Rebecca Valentine. With the rocky launch of Cyberpunk 2077 firmly in the rearview mirror, CD Projekt seems to have fully bounced back from where it was at the end of 2020, both in goodwill and in financials, celebrating its second best earnings year in 2022, despite no new major releases. 
Per CD Projekt's earnings report, Cyberpunk 2077 revenues were up 18% year-over-year in 2022, with 94% of the units sold being digital. So uh, it's a pretty significant turnaround for a game plagued with bugs and glitches on the base PS4 and Xbox One at launch, uh, which its own developers reportedly did not expect to be ready by its 2020 launch date. Uh, but multiple patches since slowly um, began to rebuild the game and player goodwill. Uh, so, yeah, uh, what, what do you think of that? Yeah, well, three years to uh, work and polish on the game definitely helps. Three mm. years. Um, still still <laughs> uh, plenty of coin pouring in through the front doors at uh, CD Projekt Red. What do you reckon, Simo? Ah, uh, fucking... Glad I haven't given them any money. That's all I can say. <laughs> we'll yes. see what happens uh, when the expansion. I tell you, now nah, look, uh, just purely on on um, you know, ba- based off of morality, and we, again, we've talked about this so many times. I just don't like the formula of release it, fucked, finish it later. Just mm. don't like it, and it's just left a bad taste in my mouth. And look, I downloaded the game trial because I just wanted to see what everyone was talking about. I haven't even turned it on yet to look at it because I'm too busy having fun with Chia. But having said that, um, nah, just well done. Well done, CD Projekt Red. Whatever. Go fuck yourselves. Have a good one. Simon. (laughs) Emotional damage. Well, in in an unusual twist, CD Projekt Red actually reached out to us at the Discerning Gamer podcast uh, to uh, send us a message wow. regarding their latest earnings report. Uh, and uh, without further ado, uh, here is uh, here is that message. Wake up, Mommy. I just pissed the bed. Mm. <laughs> Baffling. Nice. Is, is that in dollars or? <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. Or is it in crom? You, uh, you enjoyed <clears throat> Cyberpunk, didn't you, JB? Any interest in picking up the... I uh, can't remember the name of the DLC, which is coming in June or whenever it yeah, is. Yeah, well, that's uh, uh, Liberty City, I think, is it? Or Oh, sorry, Phantom Liberty, I'm, yeah. think, I'm thinking of. Uh, oh, that's GTA. Yeah, GTA. I'm thinking of GTA <laughs> Liberty City. From a few years ago. Phantom Liberty. Uh, look, I don't know. Um, depends on how quiet the rest of the video gaming world is at that point in time, but... Uh, Ah, uh, look, it's definitely a possibility. But anyway, now I'm going to hand over to you, Ferg, for a bit of your news, mate. What do you got? bit of news this week. So I'm going to read from a PC Gamer article written by Jacob Ridley. Waiting for Simon to scream out, tell us, Jacob. Tell us, Jake. Come on. A p- <laughs> Here it is. Tell us. A PSVR2 price cut will be needed to avoid a complete disaster after reportedly slow launch. So market research from firm IDC has crunched the sales numbers and is suggesting that a price cut is vital to the success of Sony's VR headset. Sony's PSVR headset is reportedly underperforming in its first few months of release and is now expected to shift around 270,000 units by the end of March. Those numbers are estimates from IDC, a market research firm, and not directly from Sony. We'll have to wait until Sony's financial calls financial calls to to glimmer any official numbers or sales figures. 
But the IDC VP of Data Analytics, Francisco Geronimo, does mm. give some reasoning as to why struggling might, Sony might be struggling in comments made to Bloomberg. He said, consumers around the world are facing rising costs of living, rising interest rates, and rising layoffs, Geronimo said. VR headsets are not top of mind for most consumers under the current economic climate. That's not a great sign for the VR headset that launched just last month, as it has been reported that Sony is hoping to sell around 1.5 million units by March next year and had already revised that figure down from 2 million prior. It was also confident it would surpass sales of the PSVR with the second-gen unit of around 5 million sales over its lifetime. Sony will have to pick up the pace to make those sort of numbers up throughout the coming months, but at least there is still time for it to turn it around. So the PSVR 2 has next to no competition on consoles. It's competing squarely with Sony's own first-generation PSVR headset, and that's basically a no contest. The PSVR 2 is better in every way, and in many ways it's on par with some of the best VR headsets which are available for use with PC. You can't fault Sony for its hardware, but that has meant the headset is not the cheapest accessory, retailing for about just under 900 bucks here in Australia for the um, headset by itself. It costs more than the price of a PlayStation 5 console, which is a prerequisite for using the headset. Um, Geronimo said, I su suspect a price cut on the PSVR 2 will be needed to avoid a complete disaster of their new product. So... Maybe not some great news for Sony, but I know JB is a man who's had his eyes on this little bit of tech. Mm. Maybe a uh, a predicted price cut. Maybe his music to your ears. Yeah, I mean it is, and I I'm still half expecting to to get one eventually. But I let me let me just throw something out there for for yourself and the rest of the DG crew uh, here, Ferg. One of the biggest competitors to the PSVR 2, I would say, is the Meta Quest 2, right? So this is, uh, uh, you know, from Oculus, um, really good quality headset. I'm looking right now at a price for it on uh, the Australian Amazon store for the 128 gigabyte model for $549. Now, that's, that's a lot, Jeez. lot cheaper than what the PSVR 2 retails for in Australia, which is around the $849 mark if you buy it without the included Horizon Call of the Mountain uh, game. But is this this um, MetaQuest headset, is that compatible with PS5? No, Can... it's not. But, but okay. it's a comparable product in terms of virtual reality experience. And yeah. you can get a lot of similar games on that with the exception of some of the the PlayStation exclusives. Mm -hmm. um, so already really significant difference in price between the PlayStation VR offering, which has to be tethered at all times, and the mm -hmm. MetaQuest 2, which does not need to be tethered at all mm -hmm. times. So there's a lot of, you know, there's, there's a lot of reasons why consumers aren't uh, biting the bullet, so to speak, and, and getting the PSVR 2. Now, um, on top of that, uh, I watched a review during the week on YouTube where um, a reviewer who, who had bought his, himself a unit was finding that um, he had reasonably large hands, like not 
not unusually large. He wasn't sort of like the Incredible Hulk or anything. But he was saying once he'd actually slipped his hands inside the Sense controllers, um, the top of the controller was pressing down so hard on his thumbs, he, he really couldn't move his thumbs much at all to actually mm. press the buttons. Um, so uh, that's that's actually also got me rethinking whether this is a, a, a wise expenditure. So at the very least, I'll be wanting to go and see if I can hold a pair of mm. these controllers and actually see if they fit my hands properly and everything because there's very little or no adjustability in them if, mm. if your hands don't fit. So I'd certainly like to hear from... Uh, you know what they say? <laughs> you know what they say about people with big hands, JB? You know tell, what I miss back tell. when you can um big gloves. You, demo, you know back when you can <laughs> go to Kmart or Target and you could demo or Big mm. W the new hardware and stuff like that. Yeah. Have them yeah, sitting yeah. there and people just lined up and played them. Mm. Bit of trial that. before you buy. Well, not now because I don't want to touch people's filthy, filthy, <laughs> <laughs> well, germy, germy hands. But yeah, that is disappointing. You've shelled out close to a thousand bucks by the time you get a game. And you go to use it, and it's not compatible with your hands, which is probably yeah. one of the most important <laughs> aspects of the whole thing. And I mean, it, you know, from different videos that I've seen, you can use a Dual Sense controller with them yeah. for certain games. So, like, I've seen someone using the the VR two headset with a Dual Sense to play Gran Turismo Seven in mm. VR mode, and you know uh, that all works quite well. But then. There's obviously games that have been yeah. very specifically designed Built to work around. with the Sense controllers yeah. and they're not going to work properly. So that's pretty upsetting. So, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not going to go and spend my hard-earned on it just yet until I can get a bit more of an idea of how big of an issue those things are going to be. But uh, It's a bit yeah. hard unless you know someone who's got one or you can go and test one out. Like c saying back in the day, you could sort of, play games before you bought them within store and yeah well i'm interested to know whether any stores do actually have one of these on on displays so that you could actually you know pick your controllers up and actually see how they they fit your hands and that sort of thing but um yeah if uh, if any of our Mm. listeners out there have a psvr2 and have you know tried it out and see whether there's any sort of issues with hand fitment and all that we'd love to hear from you or if anyone knows where you can go and test one of these things out, might be nice as well. Yeah, certainly within uh, the the. Or if you've got one Adelaide in your house, yeah. I'll, I'll come and test it out, and all, like, I'll do whatever you want, <laughs> like hand stuff, foot stuff. So hand stuff being like clean stuff up with my hands, foot stuff. I'll walk around the house. Mm. Um, dick stuff too, like I'll let. Any, if you want me to do stuff to your dick. Oh, <laughs> oh dear. Oh, gosh. Well. <laughs> no dick, no balls, and probably no butthole since this guy feeds on radiation. Uh, All right. Uh, well, let's uh, let's move on from the uh, the dick stuff uh, to to Steely with your news for this week, mate. Uh, what do you got? Oh, have you seen this? Have you heard about this? Oh, I've never had a time where it's been more sad for me to say this this phrase. But um, E3, E3 is officially D-E-D dead. <laughs> it's dead, everyone. 
If mm. if we're playing a game, a Cluedo, my guess would be it happened in 2020 in the kitchen, and the murder weapon was a blunt pandemic to the head. Mm. And um, yeah. look, this is a sad time. Um, my first memories of E3 when I was a child, my mum would buy me these kids' magazines called K Zone. Shout out to K Zone. I think it Throwback. still exists. Yeah. Um, that always had news in them about gaming and. I remember seeing like the logo for E3 in one of these magazines and seeing like the GameCube being announced in this magazine for the first time and, mm. and articles on things that were shown at E3. And fast forward a good decade or two, and I was getting excited for Nintendo's E3 Direct every year, um, yeah. setting my alarms to get up in the middle of the night to see what was going on and what had just been announced. And there was something exciting about knowing Around the time of my birthday every year, I'd be gifted with a swell of new game announcements and things to speculate over and to look forward to. And it kind of forced like our favorite platforms and their studios to bring heavy hitters out onto the main stage on the day and make it a show to remember. And it, it was it was a guaranteed good time. Mm. And then Mr. Burton, some do you have a massive guy eruption? apparently <laughs> some fucking guy apparently. And I, and I mean, apparently ate a fucking bat, got on a plane and pissed and shit his ass out and then licked everyone on the plane, drank a Corona. And then the next thing you know, we all stayed inside indefinitely until all the Coronas were gone from BWS and Dan's respectively. <laughs> now, ain't no one going to fucking lick a land. That place is a straight up dumpster fire. <laughs> and then they cancelled that the show that year. Um, and then the year after that, Sony pulls out, no babies. And I mean, I'm telling you, if E3 was a cat, this motherfucker ain't backing down, right? But mm. alas, the year after this year, a well-lined up stack, like, like a well-lined up stack of dominoes tipped forward by Nintendo. Down came tumbling Sony, Microsoft, Ubisoft, Ultrasoft, Supersoft, Cocksoft, fucking Sega. Sega Sammy Group, and, and nobody wants to go to E3. And, and <laughs> nobody wants to go to E3 and just see fucking Square Enix there. It would be just like one big NFT-led pyramid scheme. <laughs> just like, oh, buy this generic anime character in our next project. It's called Symbiogenesis, and then you can sell it to your mum. Whatever, fuck off, it's Square Enix. And so it is with a heavy heart, I pronounce E3 officially, unequivocally, irrevocably dead. Now, Death. may you rest in peace and may the electronics, the entertainment and the exposition forever be with you, E3. Um, very, very sad time. Sad days. Um, lots of gunshots in there. Fucking hell. <laughs> Just making sure. Was it, E3 grew up in the hood or something? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I think anyway, you're right, Stelia. Um, I think I think we're done because what the pandemic showed is that mm-hmm. each of the major studios can do their own thing. And now that they've worked out yeah. and they're doing it, they've sort of realized, well, we'll just do it when we want to want when we want to, and we'll be the main attraction and the star of the show. Mm-hmm. We don't need to compete with anyone else. So So E three, we give you yeah. the Wii U horn. <laughs> But more things have happened in in recent times, everyone. So now that we can put E3 
to bed. Mm, um, tell us. Uh, oh, that was a bit too soon. That's too soon. Um, Sonic Origins Plus, everyone. This happened about a week ago. Uh, Sonic Origins, uh, originally a deal, di- digital... Oh, fucking use my words, hey? Jesus. Go to speech school. <laughs> originally a digital-only release. <laughs> um, <clears throat> it's... Uh, it's getting a plus version, everyone. So much in the same vein as Sonic Mania Plus, additional content. Uh, content. Wow, fuck me. Uh, <laughs> if I'm having a stroke and we have to stop the podcast, everyone, I'll get Casey to take me to the oh, hospital. Broken something on that later on. Um, addition, yeah. <laughs> additional content uh, that you can purchase as DLC, but also purchase as a standard version of the game. So. This gives purchasers no, not only access to the games that already come with Sonic Origins, so we're talking Sonic 1, 2, 3, and Knuckles and CD, um, but it also comes with all the shitty Game Gear games that nobody gives a fuck about. So that's that's good. Um, well, so the part about on. this news that I'm really... Emotional damage! Game. Someone gives a fuck about them, surely. <laughs> what, the Game Gear games? Yeah. Name one person... That gives a fuck about the Sonic the Hedgehog Game Gear games, JB. Do you know what the Game Gear is? Yeah, I I, I know. It was like a handheld that came out in the era of the uh, Sega Master System, but uh... it's it's like a it's like a colourful Game Boy fuckboy that nobody likes because all it has on it is shitty dick games. Joel. Oh my god. <laughs> Nice. Nobody cares about it, right? All right. <laughs> Proceed. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but um, something that frustrated me at launch was that this um, this game didn't have a physical release. So now I can purchase it, play it, and return it in a week if I so choose, which is something I really am excited about. So there we go. Um, so Sonic... Uh, Origins plus everyone mm. plus what a whole lot of bullshit, but that's fine. Mm. Um, anyway, uh, moving on because I know that none of you guys care about Sonic, so um, moving on, moving on. <laughs> I'm just gonna move on. Are you happy with that? <laughs> yeah, uh, let's, let's move on. <laughs> maybe a bit harsh. I, now, don't, I don't mind Sonic. Well, I reckon Sonic Frontiers has got okay, a um, well, is one of the free. Well, you can play a demo on it, which I'm hoping to get around to doing it just to yeah. see what the fuss is about so we can compare notes still. Get amongst it. Yeah. Two hours. You'll have two hours to play. And I'll go fast, mate. Then Gotta tell go me that I'm wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you go fast. I love that. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, in a little bit of other news, I know that nobody here has watched The State of Unreal, so lick your lips around this. Just flop them around it. Um, last of all, (laughs) (laughs) this slipped through the the cracks of the DG crew a couple of weeks ago, and I just wanted to bring up, uh, the Epic Games state of Unreal that happened and a couple of notable things in Unreal Engine 5.2 that are exciting for studios and creators. And as a result, us, the players. So here it is. So first of all, we got a real time look at, um, at MetaHuman the new character creator software for Unreal Engine 5. And holy shit, this thing is impressive. Um, It looks like uh, this will not only save time with character creation and motion capture, it also requires far less hardware um, than, you know, like the full dots on dots on dots thing that we're used to seeing. Um, People have to get dots put all over their faces. 
Um, they demoed this thing with just an iPhone and the actress that plays Senua from Hellblade. Um, and in the speed of which they could do this thing, it just blew me away. I really couldn't believe it. Um, they just they basically could uh, record a certain amount of dialogue and put it onto whatever character they felt like um, with all the same uh, sort of, you know, little nuances that she did in her performance of just uh, showing what this thing can do. It was absolutely amazing. Just tracing the, her eyes and everything was unreal. If you, uh, engine 5.2. Um, but no, like... Um, if you haven't seen it, you really should go and have a look at that. It's just, it's something that you just go, wow, this is the future. Um, next up is an uh, an update on environment building as well. So essentially developers can now save hours and hours and hours of time by focusing on blend, um, on, a, on a blend of handcrafted world building and segmented sort of uh, world building like that's procedurally generated so segments that players will interact with more they can handcraft and then they can generate um things like trees or landscapes they can still be interacted with but that just don't they just add to world density basically it just allows them to do their jobs a lot faster um which i mean it is amazing if you haven't watched it again go and see it because it, you can just imagine how much quicker we should, in theory, be able to get games when creators can put this stuff together a lot faster. And then um, the last thing that they announced is a creator's program for um, basically, well, one of the last things that I actually cared about, um, for which is a complete engine that they used to build Fortnite, which looks really sick, but you can basically create within that. So you can create any game in this thing, just utilizing the assets from Fortnite um, even some of the physics and things like that, or, you know, the guns and whatever, whatever you like, you can use any of it. You can create platformers with it. You can create adventure games with it. Um, you can add in all of your own assets too, if you wanted as well. So um, it's, it's kind of limitless, but the good news with this, the thing that I'm most excited about is that based off the traffic that your creation receives, Epic have created a program where they will actually pay 40% profit share to the creators, which is an amazing way for people to have incentive to make some really special experiences and get into game creation with something accessible, but still have the opportunity to make some coin on it too. So mm. um, nice. there you have it. It's pretty sick. I don't, again, I know that not a lot of people have seen this, but I would urge you to to watch it. It is just a great glimpse into what the future of uh, gaming will be like um, with Unreal Engine 5. Nice. Fantastic. Yeah. Oh, good little cum splat there. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that, Simo. Uh, now we're going to uh, throw things over to uh, uh, C-Mac for uh, a little bit of news on on, uh, on a particular, particular uh, game coming out for Nintendo Switch. What do you got for us? Yeah, a little game. Yeah, little game. You might have heard of it called The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. So and, and this week we saw Are we sure it's Tears and not Tears? Are we It's definitely not Tears. Oh <laughs> shit, you scared me then. No, it is Tears. Not a game about tears. hemorrhoids, Joel. It's <laughs> Jesus Christ. No, I'm pretty sure they they, they said it in the direct that one. <laughs> You're confusing me now. <laughs> Am I saying it wrong? No, it's definitely Tears of the Kingdom. 
Um, so yeah, this week we saw 11 minutes of gameplay from Nintendo Direct of Tears of the Kingdom and some pretty amazing extended sequences going into lots and lots of detail about the mechanics, um, the new mechanics added to the game. So the world seems, when you first see see the gameplay, it seems the same as Breath of the Wild, but there is a noticeably different sky island above the players. So this adds a whole new dimension to the game. And one of the very first mechanics they show you is include things included is how to actually ascend to get up to the islands above you. So they showed a rock falling to the ground and then I say Link, or the player, I guess. Oh, Link. They call him Link now. They, they call him Link in this one. They've they? gotten over the fact that he <laughs> was an ambiguous player and we don't name him anymore oh, as Link. Okay, cool. Thank okay. fuck. <laughs> so we see Link <laughs> hopping onto, this, um, onto the rock and then he uses a new ability called Recall, which effectively just rewinds time so on particular objects only. So this rock will then propels Link up high into the Sky Islands, which allows him to collide to the nearest one to explore. So that's really cool. You can imagine what kind of things you can do with that. You see an object move a certain way and you can stop it and rewind it and, you know, Mm. blah, blah, blah. Another cool ability that's shown is another one called Fuse. So this allows the player to fuse together two objects to make more powerful weapons or defensive items. So they show the gameplay showed an ordinary just crap stick and they um, link fused it with uh, a rock, which makes sort of a makeshift hammer, which not only does it last longer than the stick as a weapon, it like it's more powerful and can actually damage enemies quicker. Um, yeah, and then we saw another ability called Ultra Hand where the player is able to build objects by attaching them together. So the gameplay showed us this three logs that were used to fuse together and a fan because, you know, there's just fans on the ground. Um, they added to the um, to the logs, which make a raft to get across large rivers. So this is particularly exciting as it explains, you know, in the original trailer, there's a Link's driving a car object and flying in the sky. And you're like, oh, cool, so they're like flying machines. But no, you'll have to actually build these machines yourself. So who knows what they're going to – mine is going to look rubbish because I have no sense of creativity. But as long as it flies or it drives, whatever. Hmm. But, um, yeah, and the last uh, ability we see is Ascend, which is a very exciting one that I quite – liked which is the ability which allows the player to literally ascend through any area which has a ceiling so this is going to be particularly handy when you go to a cliffside and or a cave and to get to the top of the mountain you know in the breath of the wild you'd have to struggle with the stamina bar trying to climb you all the way up and yeah, it was a bit exhausting. So now, yeah, you can just use this ascend power to just go directly to the top of the mountain. So, yeah, it's pretty exciting. I, I felt pretty pretty pumped for this game when I watched the trailer the other day. I did feel a little bit daunted over the prospect of being able to construct and build things because I'm not smart like that, <laughs> not like Simon who can make anything in a game and it just looks incredible. But I think it will add an interesting element and it's a nice change from the first game. So, yeah. Mm. What do you think, Simon? I fucking love everything. <laughs> this, look, I you know, this game, I think a lot of people, including uh, the two other 
wonderful men on our podcast, um, <laughs> thought that this game was probably going to be a little bit of a um, a wet, soggy sock, if you would. Um, yesterday's semen, if you would. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. This is what I have to say to that. Yeah, like they've ever said that. Well, that, I could tell that's what they were thinking. In I don't hard think hearts. so. I don't think anyone thinks that's that. That's what they think. Okay. And and then, you know, this is what I love about the sort of the, the anti-marketing of this game. I don't want to see any more than that 10 minutes. Like, in all honesty, I want to experience it fresh. Just knowing those few little things, I now know what the main quip of this game is and what the main hook of it is. It is um, large-scale creativity fueled by the fact that the community that continued to play Breath of the Wild since its launch in 2017 um, have basically utilised the engine to create vehicles themselves and things like that, that now they've just kind of taken that under the wing of the game itself and gone, oh, hey, if that's what people are doing within the game. Why don't we try and figure out a way to make this work on a bigger scale? I think, like, it, same with Casey, it is terrifying. It's daunting because there is going to be a lot of possibilities within the game. But having said that, I mean, like the ascendability as well, it's just giving us a way of traversing this world that at the end of the day, everyone's done it to death. So how can we make it easier for people to do it or more exciting for people to do it this time around? And I am just frothing at the sphinct for this one. <laughs> I cannot mm. wait. It just looks amazing. And I think um, for some reason, I, I felt like it kind of looked like it maybe ran slightly better than what Breath of the Wild did. But, I mean, they never showed us gameplay footage of Breath of the Wild lagging out like a mother bitch uh, the first time that <laughs> they showed it to us, you know. So who knows? It might have a lot of real laggy moments where we drop frame rate and stuff like that. Or, you know, when we end up playing this on our Switch 2, um, if that ever is a real thing and it happens, I mean, that's going to be exciting as well because I think it will just bring the game forward a bit more. But it's definitely bigger in size. It, it looks like this is why it's taken such a long time for this game to come out because it's not just like Majora's Mask, do it in a year. It's all the same assets, but, you know, as, as Ocarina of Time, but just a different story. It is like there is so much more in it and I'm just fucking... Did I say that I was frothing at the sphinct? Because <laughs> yeah, I'm did. frothing... You don't, you don't need to say it again. We it's just... coming out of my nose, right. my mouth, but, and know, the exciting. eye of my dick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So, question. Uh, with the new rewind feature, are they going to uh, chuck in a bit of a bit of a sound effect like this? <laughs> that'd, that'd be, that'd be fairly, fairly that'd certain. Be cool. point, yeah. It's fitting. Yeah. Do they have yeah, Do they absolutely. have tape players in Hyrule? Sure. I know. Why not? Fucking you played the game, JB. There's no tape players in Hyrule. <laughs> <laughs> what it? Knows. What were your thoughts on the trailer, JB? Did you watch it? And uh, didn't watch it, but uh, <laughs> oh, I'm sure it's probably good. Um, I mean, yeah, Breath of the Wild. I, I did enjoy. Got a very high score on uh, Metacritic and. 
Yeah, let's see yes. if they can capture lightning in a bottle twice, old uh, Nintendo. Let's see what you think. Yeah, well, <clears throat> I I watched it and I was reasonably impressed, I must say. I think the whole, yeah. you know, above world sort of thing that's going on, I think it's going to be really cool to sort of be on the ground and then up in the sky. And I think that'll add, a, you know, a really good dynamic to the game. Um, I got sort of uh, the new mechanics, I think, are quite cool. Uh, they don't. I don't know if they make sense. Just being able to ascend through the roof of a cave, but I'm sort of not thinking I about think that, that too seems much. Like, yeah, mm. I feel like I thought that was a bit weird too. But I think it's more of a ease of, like someone said, traversing the world. Like they said in mm. the footage. Which yeah, like I agree. Last with the last game, it was it was yeah, it was hard. I'm sure, to when we on. find out the story purpose behind. Yeah, there might be a story purpose behind. They will be. There will There'll be, be a reason why he can do that or he gets that ability, I'm guessing. But, yeah, I did find that a bit like, oh, it's just their way of being like, hey, this is easier for the player. Let's make it an ability yeah. sort of, yeah. Oh, don't get me wrong. I think, of, those, you know. I think those mechanics are super cool. I'm interested to see how they play out in the game. But I was sort of watching. I'm like, has Link turned into like some kind of god type character he can like <laughs> jump on a rock and rewind it through the sky and yeah, then he, he can shape shift through, <laughs> through the roof of a cave well, he does have the uh the triforce of courage doesn't he uh old yeah. link so and then the other bit yeah. that i sort of thought was a it sort of humorous to me anyway he was sort of he's become this macgyver of being able to you know he's got a, a rock and a stick and yeah. a a beehive. Yeah, not, when I, not when I play with him, he won't be. Now he's got a. <laughs> now he's got a car. Yeah, stitch but it I, all together and uh, make but, a fully functioning iPhone 14. Pro. Yeah, that's it. I mean, no diss. I think that's going to be super cool. And like in the trailer, um, I can't remember the gentleman's name. The guy in charge, Mister Ganondorf. That guy. Mm. He was basically. That's that's the guy. He was basically oh. saying, "Look, we're trying to open it up to you know be creative." And just go out in the world and just see what you can build and what you can do. And I think that's really cool. Um, one, I mean, Breath of the Wild I actually really, really enjoyed. The only gripe I had with that game, and we've talked about it before, is fucking weapons breaking. That sort of just, I just didn't like that in the first game. Mm. And it was a bit, a bit sad to see that they've brought it back. But I think this mechanic of being able to create weapons on the fly might alleviate some of my frustrations with that you put a stick and a rock together mm. it breaks well there's a stick and a rock over there i'll just go and make another one so it'll be interested to see if that sort of takes that sting out of the experience for me um i think in the first game i just hated the fact that you could come across a really good weapon but then you're too scared to use it or you only wanted to use it sparingly because you knew it was going to break so i think having this macgyver type uh, mechanic in the game where you can you know and there's obviously going to be more things more interesting than a stick and a rock to make a weapon. There's going to be all sorts of yeah. things all over the place. And you'll be able to make cool and interesting so. weapons. And the fact that, yeah, yeah, if it breaks, you can just go and make another one. I think that's a really good way to circumvent the frustration that I had and I think a lot of people had with the first game. So, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I am I think it looks cool. They showed a lot to make it, you know, it looks like Breath of the Wild in many respects, but I think it's sort of... Yeah, they've taken some really cool ideas and it'd be interesting to see how they all sort of, you know, go into the game in the maybe, full thing, um, so. Maybe Nintendo need to to swap up the game directors and uh, we need we need Hideo Kojima to come in, take over the reins and uh, 
replace Link with like Norman Reedus, uh, you know. So <laughs> he, he's now cruising around Hyrule, crafting weird ladders and yeah. shit. <laughs> Sounds like my worst nightmare. <laughs> a big backpack full of packages that you have to deliver on yeah. never-ending fetch quests. I think it looks good. I think it's going to be a winner. I think it looks good. So, um, will, am I going to pick it up on day one? Probably not, but... Um, I think it looks good. We're not allowed to. No. It's part of your rules. That's <laughs> it. Maybe if you wanted to, you Let's, can't. Sorry. Somehow, someone, unfortunately, you can't get Steam vouchers for Switch. Maybe someone can give me a Nintendo credit. Hint, hint. We'll see. Well, on that note, let's uh, <laughs> jump into this week's novelty segment. Jump in to the novelty segment <laughs> with my shoes. Jumping shoes. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) And uh, this week uh, we thought we would have a look at who our favourite actor slash actresses are voicing characters in video games. And uh, in a shameless act of self-promotion, I'm going to kick things off this week and uh, go straight to... uh, None other than than a a giant in the video gaming uh, genre... With Christopher Judge. Now, I mean, not that he needs much introduction to our audience, I'm sure, but uh, on the off chance that we've got a a casual listener uh, tuning in this week, Christopher Judge plays the character Kratos in uh, the much vaunted God of War series on PlayStation. And, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's bloody brilliant at what he does. And just to just to give you a bit of bit of context, I thought I'd uh, I thought I'd gather up a few a few classic Kratos lines from from his uh, years as uh, you know in that role. And and let's Hang on, let me just get my sock out, JB. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Uh, make sure it's firmly in place for this one. And uh, here, here we go. What are we hunting? You are hunting deer. Which way? In the direction of deer. Okay. Uh, this way. You went in the old temple. My mom told me never to go in there. We do what we please, boy. No excuses. Foolish. The gods care nothing for them. Men should not pray to monsters. Listen to me. To be effective in combat, a warrior must not feel for his enemy. The road ahead is long and unforgiving. No place for a boy. You must be a warrior. I understand. Hey, look. A torch. A torch is built with wood. That is a brazier. A brazier. So, I guess we should keep an eye out for other spirits. What did I say about distractions? But it sounds like they needed help. They are spirits, boy dead things. They have no needs, only wants. Boy, what did I tell you about offering help? Don't. Correct. But can we just- This is not a debate. You must learn focus. Our journey need be your only concern. So you've met other spirits? Yes, many. What were they like? Annoying. Mm. I know, Father. What was that comedy music in the background? <laughs> oh look, it's just a just a, a few light-hearted moments between uh, 
Kratos and Atreus. I mean, th- there really is no mistaking that that low, gravelly sort of tone that he has, and especially with the boy, you know, <laughs> all of that. I mean, I think he's been asked at uh, at various conventions over the years what what his most famous line as Kratos is, and I think that's it, just boy. You know, and uh, I think he's very proud of that fact. So, uh, Christopher Judge, uh, here's to you, mate. You're uh, you're a bloody legend, and certainly my favourite actor voicing Kratos. Iconic, yeah. iconic voice. All right, uh, Simo, what do you got? Oh, look, I've I've had to narrow it down to two, everyone, and I've got a, uh, and I've had to, I have, I've had to pick two. All right, for a very good reason though. Um, my my number one pick is none other than probably the the person in gaming to have played one character for longer than Ray Fisher has played our fucking Stuart. <laughs> it, it is Charles Martinet. Everyone, Charles Martinet. And, just and I'm going for, to tell you why. Well, just for our listeners, uh, you might know Charles Martinet as this character. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Or, or this yeah, this l- classic Lo-Fi Mario. <laughs> this classic. <laughs> Here we go. Oh, you got the the nice version. Yeah, of that. I was Thank waiting you. for. I was, I was waiting. My, head, my yeah. headphones off. Oh, were you talking about? <laughs> This one. Go! Here we go! <laughs> oh, Joel, that's just... Love that. Ear bleed. Oh, I love it. Uh, All right, so tell us, tell us, Simo, why is Charles Martinet so important <laughs> to video gaming? Well, look, I think that for somebody... I mean, for so early on in gaming when I think... I mean, especially making a transition from 2D to 3D with Mario, from some somebody that didn't have a voice to somebody that then all of a sudden was living and breathing. You never at any point that I remember the first time I I booted up Super Mario 64 on Christmas Day, and I did not. I just at any point it didn't occur to me that that was never Mario's voice. It was just, that's gospel. That it is, that is the voice that is meant to come out of that character. And for anyone that's ever gone and met Charles Martinet in person, like what we did at uh, Comic-Con a little while back, um, he has this zest for life and this kindness and gratitude towards having played the character for so long that, I just, you don't see anywhere. Like he just, there is just no ego to the guy. He's just there to bring smiles to people's faces and to smile with them and to appreciate the fact that people appreciate what he's done and and to celebrate the industry. And I think that not just for the fact that he's Mario. I mean, here's another uh, a voice that you might not know that he does, but he's actually um, Parthenax from Skyrim. So he's a big fuck off dragon in Skyrim Mm -hmm. and he does not sound like Mario I'm telling you he's got some range on him as well but I mean obviously Mario is his bread and butter you know when he wants to go to a a bloody steakhouse he's gone to Skyrim but Mm. um, he's just I, I think that whenever I think of a successful voice actor or somebody that 
um, doesn't make me second guess who they are. It's because he puts all of his energy into Mario to give Mario the energy that he needs to make him believable and understandable for us. I mean, it's not like Mario is a deeply complex character, but he needs to have a certain amount of buoyancy and energy for us to to believe that he is just going to go on adventure after adventure after adventure and not even second guess it and fight for the people that he cares about. And that's why I think he is somebody to be celebrated and to uh, to be loved and cared about because he is um, absolutely just fantastic human being and voice actor, Charles Martinet. Well, but Charles Martinet, hit, this is for you, mate. Mushroom Kingdom, here we uh. come. <laughs> wow. Far out. Charles Martin, the second best Mario. Way to kill the room. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Well, oh, Chris Pratt. I, I, look, I'll... I'm just going to say this. I, I've got to. I've got to say, I'm, I feel a bit sorry for Chris Pratt. Everyone. Big shoes. Poor guys fight. going out there just trying to trying to market a movie that he got a job for. <laughs> that you know what he's probably done a great job, and none of us have seen the movie yet, so none of us can say if he's done a good or a bad job in its entirety. But the poor guy, I feel like every time he goes out to do publicity, he has to defend himself just because he's not the character that we're used to seeing. And I feel bad for him. I think mm. he's going to be, I think it's going to be great. It's going to be a great movie. He's going to do great. Is he going <laughs> to be as good as Jack Black? Probably not. But Jack Black is a, is kind of similar in the vein to Charles Martinet. He has so much energy and and thirst for this kind of stuff. Anyway, that mm. was just a bit of a two center. All right. But, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but my, my second pick is, um, none other than, uh, fucking Troy Baker. Oh, Troy Classic. Baker. <clears throat> but just let me just rattle off a couple of pl- p- characters that he's Sorry. Played. The, the button was Joel from the, <laughs> Joel from The Last of Us, Booker DeWitt mm. from Bioshock Infinite, Arkham Knight from Batman Arkham Knight, Samuel Drake from Uncharted 4. He also played, um, let me just get it, Bitter Squirrel from God of War Ragnarok. <laughs> Did he? Yeah. I didn't know that. Um, let me just. Keep keep rolling through some of these. Um, he even featured in Solar Opposites. I wouldn't have even known. Um, uh, you know, prior to anything else that went wrong with um, Justin Roiland. Um, obviously, he's played the Joker in Arkham Origins and did a, a fantastic job of that as well. The list is is it, it just keeps going on. It just keeps going. I can't even like Bruce Banner and Marvel's Avengers. <laughs> guy that would have been a good good payday but unfortunate for anyone that was involved in that project um <clears throat> I'm, I'm talking about the game project not the uh anyway so um he's also played uh batman at some points as well in in animated series and stuff like that but he plays magni in god of war as well in, in god of war 2018 i mean come on Troy Baker. He is a force to be reckoned with. He's incredibly talented. Um, is gr- has a great range, great dynamic. 
but also um, is a is a good singer as well. So we obviously see him sing a couple of times in games, and um, yeah, get amongst it, Troy Baker. You can't. He's in everything. He's basically the fucking the fuck boy of video games now, isn't he? So he's hit some big. Come. He's hit some big franchises there, hasn't he? He's got a few big scalps. Mm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, well, I, I can't 100%. argue there. I can't argue there. He's a bloody legend. Old Troy Baker. Well done. Yeah. Well done. Infamous right. second son. Yeah. Troy Baker, everyone. <laughs> I could keep going. Yeah. Don't. Or, please don't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, now we'll throw over to uh, C-Mac. Histy. What do you got? Yes. The piss. Yeah, mine, I'm I'm not going to talk for that long. Um, oh, <laughs> this one... As soon as you mentioned this segment, the first person that came to mind for me, because I'm not really up with who voices who, like I just play the game, I don't know. Um, but I over and over and over and over, I kept saying to Simon through God of War and especially in Ragnarok, the character of Freya, and I Googled it, Danielle Bisuti, her name is. And my, my goodness... Every time she would do a scene or talk in that game, I'd say to Simon, God, that's God, that's a good voice actor. She is incredible. Like yeah. the amount of just guttural pain that you hear from her, the she is just she puts everything into it. And I just yeah, I really, really enjoyed listening to her. And the fact I went and had a look at who she was, she looks just like the character as well. So that's even even cooler but um yeah danielle basuti doesn't i don't really know much more of what she does but i don't really care because that's all i know hmm. <laughs> well I, I have to agree with you c-mac she makes you feel every inch of the uh, <sighs> the the loss of <laughs> the child <laughs> of boulder oh yeah, uh, that's, yeah, yeah I would, that, that, every that, inch that, of boulder <laughs> is uh, felt in in her performance uh um, sorry, Ferg's just losing it across the table. Like, Where is Joe going with this? No, I'm, I'm, what, I'm, what I'm trying, it wasn't meant to be a dick joke. It was meant to be uh, like the loss of her son, you know, in Boulder from 2018. I think you feel it in every line she delivers in Ragnarok for sure. Like it's oh, it yeah. is such a an amazing performance. And um yeah, again, such a compelling character as well. Like it's, mm. cause it, you know, certainly the game leaves you wondering whether she's going to be a hero or a villain, especially mm. when Atreus goes to sort of visit her and he he gets wrapped up in the vines, and you think, oh fuck, he's he's gone here. But uh, you know, she she obviously uh, sees the light and lets him go. So mm. yeah, yeah, really. I just yeah, she's. She's brilliant. Like I said, if there wasn't any part that she came on the screen and talked that I wasn't like, oh, yeah, that's all right. Like every line yeah. she delivered was so just pulled my heart out of my chest. It was and, so, yeah. Just, I, yeah, even though Baldur was a shit fuck, <laughs> I was like, I can you miss that guy? Um, <laughs> he tried to kill you. But, um, yeah, yeah. I, I even felt sad for her, even though he was a horrible guy. So, yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. And I'm looking and I don't know anything else that she's been in. So maybe this is sort of her. Well, she does the voice of uh, Elsa in Disney Dreamlight Valley. So. uh, Oh, cool. Let it go. (laughs) 
uh, Claudia Grimstone in Madden NFL 21. Um, oh, I love that one. Yeah, that's my that's one of my favourites. Yeah, and uh, she's uh, uh, Miss Gray in Nanny Killer, the TV show. So, yeah. Uh, See, not uh, not yeah. I think God of War. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> she's pretty pretty big a lot of into God of War. <laughs> So much uh, emotional range in a character, you know, to be able to go from being somebody that shows so much compassion for um, Atreus and Kratos in God of War 2018. But yeah, I'm sure to, there is, yeah, I'm know, sure the there grief are to the anger. Plenty of other people plays. that I could say, but I think that was the first person that came to mind because I just, it, she's just, her voice acting stood out to me. Yeah, well, yeah. when you put her alongside somebody like Ashley Birch, there's oh no contest there. You've got somebody that might as well just be talking into a fucking tin can, and then you've got bloody somebody that commands know. the room. You know, emotional damage. Poor Ashley Birch. Hijacking, hijacking mine. What What has she yeah. ever done to you, Simon? That's uh, that's terrible, mate. Well, she fucking had one too many lines in Horizon <laughs> One and Two for a start. Okay. Cost yeah. me a lot of time in my life <laughs> listening to her fucking drawl. Anyway. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, on that note, let's let's throw over finally to Ferg. What do you got for us, Ferg? Uh, I've got I I just picked there was three that sort of came to mind. So I've got three. So All I right. couldn't whittle it down to one. I I couldn't pick these three apart. So I'll go the first one. I think you got a soundbite for this one, but the first Actor I've got is none other than Mr. Luke Skywalker himself, Mark Hamill. And his role as Joker in many things, but in particular the Batman Arkham series. So, uh, Mark Hamill as the Joker in, is it Arkham Knight? This, uh... Oh, he was in all of them. Okay. He's done heaps of Batman stuff. Take my blood, for example. I wish somebody would. This stuff is killing me. Why should I care? <laughs> because now there's a teeny little bit of me in you too, bats. Mm. This oh. He does such an incredible Christ. job as the Joker and just just I mean it's such a tricky character to portray, just sort of that manic and the psychotic and you know just even that laugh. He just does such an amazing job of yeah, voicing the Joker in in a whole stack of Batman stuff, but in particular in those Arkham, um, that Arkham series of games, he's just mm. on another level. Um, so good. 10 out of 10. Mm. Yeah. Um, what else have I got? Number two, I'm going to go with, you might know him from the West Wing, Martin Sheen. In his role in the Mass Effect video games as the elusive man. I just, I mean, it's probably got, half to do with that character within that franchise the elusive man he was such an interesting guy you sort of were always sort of sitting on the fence with understanding what his motives were always had a cigarette in his mouth sitting in his chair looking out the window and martin sheen just did a fantastic job of voicing that character i thought and it was always you know an iconic moment in any of those series where you'd sit down and you'd have dialogue and you'd go back and forth with him i just thought he did an amazing job of um yeah his portrayal of the character, the elusive man. I don't know. Mm. I don't. I don't. Have you? Can't remember. Are we up to speed with the Mass Effect games and the DG crew. You know who I'm talking about. I've heard of Mass no. Effect, but I, I haven't played them. I'll be honest with you. Mm. So you know, 
I played an hour of it and I was like, this is a bit too old for me now. I just don't know <laughs> if I can play this in any like it was a bit too outdated for me. I just couldn't mm-hmm. do it. No dick, no balls, and probably no bottles since this guy feeds on radiation. I love the Mass Effect games. I couldn't highly recommend them enough. I mean, I think the Legendary Edition was a free game on PS Plus a little while ago. If anyone managed to score that mm. up, go and give it a go and see what you think. I mean, the first game probably hasn't held up as well as the two and three, but still pretty good. Um, and then the last character I've got is none other than a guy who's famously known for basically not surviving any movie or TV show he's ever been a part of, and that's none other than Sean Bean. And I'm thinking of movies like Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones yeah. as a classic, got him GoldenEye 007, but um, he, he did a job in Civilization VI, which is a fantastic video game, where he was the narrator. And he's another one of these guys that has just got an iconic voice and just getting his you know narration through that game is fantastic um he pops up all over the place but in particular when you're picking the leader that you want to control for your game he goes through and he reads a bit of a blurb and a background on each of the different countries so yeah sean bean did an amazing job in civilization six so yeah there's three of them i thought they're all fantastic did a good job um kudos to them impressive cock <laughs> that's about well. That's about all the time we've got on uh, the Descending Gamer podcast for this week. I'd like to thank the DG crew, starting with Fergus Fogerman Hamilton. Thank you, Ferg. Thanks, JB. Always a pleasure, mate. And I'd like to thank Simon Steely McLaughlin. Thank you, Steely. Ah, uh, thank you, JB. Always here to provide a good. Um, a good dick and balls joke, um, you know, Dick Tracy jokes and, and jokes about basketballs and also cock and <laughs> testicle jokes too. Impressive cock. Well, That's what I'm here for. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you, Steely. And last but not least, uh, Casey C-Mac, the pissed McLaughlin. Thank you, Casey. <laughs> thank you. Good to be here tonight. And if you want to get in touch with us here at The Descending Gamer, reach out to us on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, You can send us a message on Twitter. Similarly, you'll find us. Go looking for us, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Hiding in your windows is breaking your people up. (laughs) So you better hide your kids, hide your wife. You know, if you want to go looking for us, it's just, I, I don't know what I'm trying to say. I'm just saying you can find us. Find us there. Do it.